Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. going round. I'm going to kind of do the first half of the talk and then I'm going to kind of split it up with something um, because like I said before we can um, sometimes sit and listen and then it kind of goes in and it goes out and we forget what it was that we were um, even looking at in the first place. And, it's, and I actually felt that when I said that about even being in school and um, and fidgeting and, and you know, kind of being told off for having your head in a different place. Uh, all of that kind of thing. That, that, that's actually, as I said that and said, but that's okay. And that's a reason why some of you maybe struggle with school. I could see a few people went ping, ping, ping. And it was like, that was a truth that set some people free tonight. That actually it wasn't you and you weren't bad. And you weren't being naughty. You were made to move. And something, sometimes the system stops us from that. Some people are naturally more kinesthetic. They're more about movement. They're all about physicality and all those kind of things. And every one of us learns in these different ways. So um, we're going to sit for a little bit. We're going to listen. And then we're going to get up and we're going to move for a bit. And then we'll come and sit again. Is that okay? So we'll do that later on. So where's your head right now? That's my question I'll start off with. Just listen as we start to, to God's word from Colossians chapter 3, verse 2. I think you should go up on the screen. Ah, okay, set your mind. Yeah, go, no, go back, go back, back. First one, first one. Set your mind, okay. Set your mind on things above. The Living Translation says, on heavenly things. And we're in this series all about heaven. We're talking about the kingdom. We're talking about heaven every week since the beginning of January. Thanks for doing that. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. So your new life is a heaven life. It's up there, if you like. If we're thinking in these kind of spatial terms. I know it's not really up there, but... It helps us think about this. It talks about above. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory, which is what you call something to look forward to. So you've always got something to look forward to as a Christian. Some people live always looking backwards with regret. Some people just focus on the present with worry. But we've always got something to look forward to. Glorious things with Jesus. Which way are you facing usually in life out of those three ways? Some people are just stuck in the past. Some people are stuck in the present. I want to talk, this is saying that you can set your mind on a glorious future. You can set your mind forwards into the future. And it talks about setting your mind. Does that sound like a decision? Can anybody else make that decision for you? Who has to do that? Say I do. You do. You are responsible. Say that. I'm responsible to set my mind. This is a command from the Bible. Set your mind. How do you do that? Let me take you back a verse because I, I don't even know if you've done this yet. Even in the worship so far, maybe you've not done it yet. But it's all about focus. What do you focus on? If you're going to change a person's mind, first of all, you, it's good to, like I said before, move your body. Another thing is you have to change the focus. What are we focusing on most of the time? This is so important. Where's your focus? Where is your focus most of the time while you're walking around on this planet? Because it's the cha this chapter in Colossians starts, since then you have been raised with Christ. Anybody here that applies to you, put your hand up. Okay, great. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Because we are three-part beings. If you're able to stand, please stand. If you're not able to stand, sit up, strong. 
did this yesterday. We talked about there's a difference, two millimetre difference between being down here. Just put your finger on your sternum there. Two millimetre difference between a person who's like this and a person who's like this. Just raise that. Raise that sternum up. But what a difference in life that is. Just stand there like that. Sit there, sit there strong. Take a deep breath in through your nose. Set your heart. Your heart was formed before your mind, before your brain. It's the way it works. God made your heart first. He, it says guard your heart. Above all else, guard your heart for from it flow the issues of life. God's very interested in your heart. Sometimes some issues and problems, we're thinking how do I deal with the mind, but actually God. God wants to deal with your heart first because your heart is going to make more of a difference than we know. And we know all these things are interconnected. It doesn't just pump blood. There's something amazing that goes on here and your spinal cord and everything. So we know it's just the way God's intricately designed us. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You know, David was able to say that about himself. Can you say that about yourself? Can you? Why don't you say it then? Say it. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Can you imagine if you woke up in the morning, stood there like that, looked in front of the mirror? No, without a laugh. Without a laugh. Let's do it again. No laughing. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Who are you comparing to if it makes you laugh? What have you been listening to? Who have you been listening to? If you think, oh no, I couldn't do that. It's like Adam and Eve in the garden. And they're standing there naked before their father. And he says, who told you you were naked? Who made you feel ashamed? Set your heart. God loves your heart. He pursues your heart. He longs for that heart to beat more in time with him. So set your heart. Turn it up. Turn up the, the thermostat in there. Let it, let it beat more for him in time. Lord, do this for us, we pray. Set your heart on, set your affections on things that are above. And when we do that, we're less concerned about the things on the earth. And actually also, then we find we're more concerned about the right things on the earth that we should be concerned about because they're the things that concern our Father's heart and he wants us to get involved with him in making a difference in them. I want you to say it again, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Amen. Please take a seat. Because we're three-part beings made in the image of God. He's Father, Son, Holy Spirit. You are body, soul and spirit. That's who you are and he loves all of that. We're going to do a series in the morning soon where we're going to look at how we love God with all of your heart and soul and mind and strength. We're going to be looking at those things because they're all important to God. So if you're going to change your mind, it starts with you changing your heart. It starts with you letting God change your heart. So when God made you, as I say, he made your mind before he made your heart. That's why you have to get out of your head more a little bit and get into your heart, into your spirit. This is where the spirit speaks to your spirit and connects you with God and that he speaks into your heart. So... It says, set your heart, your affections, your emotions on things above. And in a sense, it's like, see Jesus reigning now over everything. See that Jesus Christ is Lord. Who is Jesus Christ? Who is he to you? He's Lord. He is Lord. Where is he Lord? How long will he be Lord? How long has he been Lord? He's Lord. Set your heart on him. That word set literally also could mean, could mean see. See the reality that God is in charge, no matter what, that Jesus is in charge. Then, after you've got that heart right, then you move into your mind and you have to look at how we change our thinking. And if you do this, you see, focus is so important because your mind can't focus on two things at once. You can't be angry and grateful in the same head at the same time. You can't. 
So if you start to think, choose grateful thoughts, anger goes. Fear has to go. You can't be fearful and grateful. You can't be worrying and thankful. So you, some, some of us do fear really well. I know what it's like to do anger. It isn't just feeling angry. I do stuff when I'm angry. What kind of things do you do when you're angry? I'm like, that's me doing kind of angry. And, and I'm kind of, oh. and what is it doing? It's, I'm, I'm, I'm fueling that. I need to get better at doing grateful. When I'm grateful, I do this. Sometimes. <laughs> but, you know, if I ratchet grateful up here, that's going to change something in here and in here. Not just, oh, yes, I really should feel grateful. Do grateful. He says, set your minds on things, on heavenly things. Do your thoughts, does your mind does your perspective and beliefs, do they ever feel like they come under siege? They have kind of external and internal things that come in. Because there are outer critics, we've got a picture of a couple of them, which can shout at you and tell you it's too late now and not you. And, uh, you know, maybe you've had at various points in life people, outer critics, hands up if you've ever in your life had an outer critic. You know what that's like, people saying, you know, trying to pull you down and stop you. Some people have had way more than other people. But you know who's worse than the outer ones are the, uh, the inner critics. Those little voices on the inside. Because well, the problem with those is they sound like, who do they sound like? They sound like me. And I tend to believe me. Don't I? Because that's my voice. So I'm, if I'm listening to that voice, I'm thinking that's my thought. But you know what? It isn't necessarily my thought just because I thought it. I've got a choice about how I manage my thoughts, whether or not I listen to that voice and whether or not I determine if it's true. What, what do your voice or voices, what do they whisper? What do they shout? When you're about to step out or step up in some way, or when you're about to believe God for something, what do those voices tell you? Stop it. Why would you do that? Why would you think you can do that? Who are you to do that? After you did this and this and this. Oh, I don't know what they are, but, but like, oh, you show off. Why would you step up into that? What would people think? What would people say? Ever heard those voices? The ones that tell you don't shine, don't make a difference. Jesus said you're the light of the world. Is he right? Is he? But the inner critic says, get back in the shadow. Stay small. Worry, worry, worry about what other people might say. Why don't be so proud? Stay ordinary. Who do you think you are? You'll only screw it up. You'll mess it up before you're going to mess it up again. And you end up, as a result of that, not taking a leading role in your own life. So I'm, I'm learning some important keys to try and overcome this. I think it's the most important battle which is in our mind. And if we win this battle, then we can win all kinds of battles out there. And also a prayer that we can pray, the kind of prayers we can pray which are going to break free. We're going to do that in a, in a little while. It's often been said the mind is the primary battlefield when it comes to spiritual warfare. And in another place, the Apostle Paul teaches about this, and this is what he says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of Christ, and we take captive every thought. Say every thought. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. What's this teaching us? It's saying you have power over your mind. God is giving you power now. If you're a new creation in Christ, you get to take captive thoughts. So I'll tell you a bit more about what it means after we worship again. So please stand up if you're able to stand. And we're going to uh, stretch. And the band are going to come up. And I think we're doing... Oh, it's the Alive in Us thing. Yeah? 
Oh, this is living. All right, they're going to come up, but we're also going to be playing some music through the speakers and everything like that. Spread out a bit, make a bit of space. Um, I, want, I would like it if we actually moved a bit. Is that okay? Did there be that? This part of your body was designed for shaking. Yeah? So it's called shaking what your mama gave you. And, and you can do that in church. It's a good thing to do. Yeah? That's it. I'll see you, baby. Okay, so feel free to be able to move a bit. It's good fun. It makes you feel better. It makes you feel young. So imagine you're not in church. Imagine you're in, your, in, a, you're, you're in the club for a moment. And we've got, a great, we've got some great music that's going to be going. So let's have a clap. Come on. Good. That's just to wake you up. Okay? Move a bit. Shake a bit. Music. <laughs> Fist bump three people and take a seat. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Good. You might have been like, oh, I didn't do that. I don't want, you know. What my people, what my people think. You know what? It doesn't matter. Doesn't matter what people think. Jesus said, "Become like a little child." When do little children worry about what people think of them? They don't, do they? This is part of who we're meant to be. Think, you know, think less about what other people think about you because they think a lot less about you than you think they do. It's true, isn't it? So, let's read this passage out loud again together. But just the last one on. I'm going to say out loud. Can I say loud? Well, why don't we stand up if you're able to stand? Take a big, big deep breath. Breathe in through your nose, it's best. And then we say it together. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Amen. Yes. Now that's reading the Bible. Three things you need to know. Number one, your thought life is kingdom territory and it will be contended for. If you've been coming along to these evenings, we've been looking at the kingdom of God. And if you looked at the fuel, if you've been to the fuel events too, you know, where we've been looking deeper into the Bible, you know the importance of territory to God. We said that God is a king and kings rule territories and they seek to extend territory. The whole earth was created to be a colony of heaven. So now your mind is actually the most valuable real estate on planet earth to God. And the enemy is constantly trying to gain possession of it again. He's constantly haggling, if you like, so that you will give him a slice of ground there, here. I've travelled to Haiti, like I said before, and I remember a pastor, a Haitian pastor there, told a parable. It's a bit gross, which is why I've never really forgotten it, but maybe you won't either. This is what it was. It's a man put up his house for sale, had these tiny little houses, and he found a potential buyer, but the man was so poor he couldn't afford to pay the full asking price. After lots of haggling, the owner agreed to sell the house for a half price with one stipulation. He would retain ownership of one nail over the threshold of the front door. That was all. After a few years, the original owner said, I want the house back. And the guy who now bought it said, no, I don't want to sell it. My family live here now. I'm unwilling to sell. So the original owner went and found a dead dog and he hung it on his nail over the door. Soon, the stench from that thing made the whole house unlivable. So he was forced to sell the house to the original owner. It's a parable story. It's horrible. But I think what the Haitian pastor was trying to teach his people was that the devil is like that. He says, do not give the devil a foothold. If you leave a little peg, just a little something available for him, he will use it to bring you down. He wants to come back and 
hang garbage on that. And if you don't like that story, you won't like this one. <laughs> this one that Jesus told. When an evil spirit comes out of a man, it goes through arid places seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I will return to the house I left. When it arrives, it founds the house swept clean and put in order. Then it goes and takes seven other spirits more wicked than itself and they go in and live there and the final condition of that man is worse than the first it's a horrible story Jesus what's he saying a person is like a house we're like the house your mind is like the house Jesus says that the man's life this man's life can be messy and dirty and cluttered and filthy like a, a house. Can anybody relate to that? Yeah? But then Jesus comes. He comes with his word. He comes with his truth. And he puts all the lights on. And all the darkness has to go. And the evil spirit is cast out. And, you know, some of us know what that's like for Jesus to come in. And, and, it, and it's just like, wow, this is living now. I've gone, is it, the colour has come on like we just sang about. If you were in a grow group, you probably looked this week at the story of a man who was tormented all of his life, it would appear, and cutting himself, self-harming, and you know, just riddled with all kinds of stuff going on in his head. And then Jesus came and instantly set him free with a word. And people came out and they were amazed when they saw the transformation that he'd, under, he'd undergone. Because they said they now saw this man clothed and in his right mind. And he's hanging on to Jesus for what he's done. That man's life is like a house that just got cleaned up and orderly. It's like a TV program kind of thing when they come in and they just saw everything out in some way. Just mess with all the, deal with all the mess, they redecorate and make it amazing. But then Jesus says in the story, after some time, the evil spirit returns to that same person, that same man, and he finds the house lovely and clean and all swept and orderly because Jesus has done that. But Je Jesus has done his bit, but what's happened? Who's responsible for the house? Who, you know, you could get somebody who came in and cleaned up your house and got it all beautiful. But then if six months later, it's a total mess because you left the door open and you've had people just off the street can come in and use the toilet or worse, not use the toilet <laughs> and have parties in there and bring all their friends around and do whatever they want and you're, it's like, well, Jesus cleaned the house. I don't know why it's such a mess now. Because he's not set a guard over the door of his mind. He's wide open. And so the spirit enters the man. And this is the first case of repossession of a house that Jesus is talking about. This house gets repossessed. And it's even worse now. Because now this guy's hardened to it. And he's got all these other squatters, seven other spirits. Pride, anger, lust, fear, swearing. I don't know what. This is, I don't know this is just a story, but it's not just a story because I've seen it happen. I've seen this happen in people's lives. Somebody maybe comes to church, they hear a gospel message. They're like, wow, that's amazing. Yeah, put me down for that, Jesus. Fresh start, new life, all my sins forgiven. Yes, please. Are you doing baptisms? I'd like to be baptised, please. <laughs> and they come and get baptised. And it's all amazing. And isn't Jesus great? And they're up the front. Oh, this is great. Jesus has set me free and all that kind of stuff. But then you start to see a bit less of them. And you know why? Because maybe they came with all kinds of painful issues and stuff from the past. And it seems like those have been resolved and life's a bit better now. So it's bearable. So the pain's gone. So the immediate thing that they came with looking for help over has now been helped because Jesus is great and he loves us and he'll do that. He does answer our prayers. So, put the Bible on the shelf now and actually I don't really need to listen to worship and stuff like that. I don't need to do any of that. I don't, certainly I might come occasionally to church but there's nothing going on in my house like that. I'm watching great Game of Thrones. I've got box sets to be focusing on this year. 
I'm not in as much trouble in my relationship. And I'm, I'm, I've got, you know, my money thing's a bit better and all that. And, you know, maybe if it gets really bad again, I can ask Jesus to come and sort it all out. See, I've met some of these people years later and some of them have just got really hard towards God. Nasty, cynical. Oh, they hate church. And they've got all the same problems that they used to have and actually worse problems. Maybe they're just better at hiding them. And you know what they say? Oh, well, I used to go there. I used to go to that church. Um, and I did all that. And I even put my hand up and all that. But it didn't work. It did work. But you didn't work it. You didn't do, you didn't do the, the other bit. Because the program worked, but you stopped working it. We'll come back to this later. And I want to bring an additional insight to that because uh, Jesus actually talks about something really interesting to do with this and about how this person ended up more controlled at the end than he was at the beginning isn't that interesting more messed up than he was at the beginning and why what what was it that led to that evil spirit success messing up his head and his life so much was it because the house was swept and put in order? Was that a bad thing and it should never have happened? Well, no, because if you look in Matthew chapter 12, a parallel passage when Jesus, it seems, told the story again, he provides an additional insight. Just watch for it. When the spirit returned, it found the house not only clean and orderly, but empty. Then the evil spirit goes and takes with it seven other spirits more wicked than itself and they go in and live there. That man is worse than the first. That is how it will be with anyone. With anyone. You and me. See the, the cleanliness and orderliness of the house were a good thing. But the sad fact of this relapse that's taken place is see Jesus can come in and cleanse and purify anywhere, any house. No matter is nobody's too messed up for Jesus, are they? Nobody's gone too far that he can't help and, and do all that. But if he cleans it once, now you're responsible. You're responsible for what goes on and what goes in. Aren't you? Please say I'm responsible. We're responsible. We, it's part of growing up. You know, when the kids are little, you know, tidy up and all that. But then there comes a point, it's like, it's your room. Ems is looking at Sam. <laughs> See, the biggest problem, actually, is that the house was empty. That's why the man was worse off than before he didn't fill it up with the good stuff. So there was room for this other stuff to come in. With the Holy Spirit, can you imagine if the house was so jam-packed with the fruit of the Holy Spirit, like not just the fruit bowls, but the whole thing's just overflowing everywhere with great big fruit of the Spirit of love and joy and peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control going on in every room in the house. So there's no room for any of that stuff to be able to come in anymore. New patterns, new disciplines, new things that he was speaking, new truths that he was agreeing with and speaking out because you speak yourself into a way of thinking and you have to speak your way out of them too and into new patterns. What are you filling your head with most of the time? Romans 12 too. Do not conform, which means it be the same as, do not conform to the pattern of this world but be transformed. How? By the renewing renewing of your mind it's a constant process it's not just a one-off thing you are responsible for this who's responsible for this I'm responsible for this this is a command be transformed Jesus isn't saying I'm going to do it oh Lord would you please transform me nope Lord would you please renew my mind nope watch the door it's on you Set a guard over the house. Don't leave it empty. And fill the house. Fill it up. Cellar. Fill the cellar. Attic. Fill the attic. Shed. Fill the shed. Everything. Just, just fill it. Don't leave the house empty. When you get a fresh start, when you bring your life to Jesus, he cleans it. But don't leave it empty. Because Jesus says, you know, you say, Lord, I, I heard you. Remember that verse? We love that verse. <coughs> If anybody, you know, I stand at the door and knock and if anybody opens the door I'll come in and eat with them and they'll eat with me he says I'm gonna, I want to dwell with you 
He wants to actually be in every room, every part of the house. Then he's in. What do you do next? Then you fill your mind with the word of God. Colossians 3.16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Again, notice, this is a command. This is a choice. Read the Bible. Listen to the Bible. That's what your phone's for. Psalm 119 verse 11, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Jesus said, John 14, 23, if anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. That's what he wants to do. What else do you need to fill the house with? Ephesians 5, 18, be filled with the spirit. Perfect tense in the Greek, be being filled continually keep on being filled it's not a one-off thing don't tell me you got filled with the spirit in 1975 I don't care are you filled now you're full are you full be filled if you're not sure you're full fill me I want to be filled with you I want to be I want to be brimming I want to be brimming overflowing what I want that overflowing life I want to know what Jesus talks about when he said if anybody comes to me he's going to be like streams of living water are going to be gushing out of him Who's up for that? Come on. See, Paul talks about, he writes about a drunk getting controlled by alcohol and how a person acts under the influence of that. And he says that's works of the flesh. And he lists all kinds of other ones. Sexual immorality, hatred, jealousy, raging anger, arguing, causing division. All works of the flesh. But he says instead of that kind of drunkenness, you can live under the influence of another kind of spirit. The Holy Spirit. When he comes into the house... And does his work. Because you know you can change your mind, don't you? When was the last time you changed your mind? Maybe you were like, oh, I don't know if I've got to church today. I don't think I'll go to church tonight. And then you change your mind. It's a good thing to change your mind. We'll never change the world out there until we learn to change the world in here. And you can change your mind. It's like when you put the TV on, something on, you go, ooh, I don't want to watch that. What do you do? Do you go, ooh, I don't want to watch that? <laughs> no, what do you do? You turn it over, don't you? Of course you do. I mean, first of all, in our house, I have to look for the remote everywhere. <laughs> Eventually. <laughs> Turn it over. Comedy. You can, you can choose. I don't want to watch a horror. I'm like, comedy. Documentary. All kinds of great stuff. We can change our mind. We, we get that choice, don't we, in terms of... I'm not telling you what I watch on your TV. I'm, I'm telling you to watch what you watch. You see, your mind is so valuable to God your heart is so valuable to him that's why we have to no notice and take every thought captive and give it control to Jesus and we've been, that's why we've been talking about the, the kingdom of God in these weeks and you know this is what it's all about in so many ways it's not just about out there and up there it's about in here as Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is within you that's why the enemy wants it. Number two, identify the source of your thoughts. What are the dominant voices in your life? I talked before about the outer critic and the inner critic. Those tapes that play in your head. You've got to check the source of the voices that we're listening to. Romans 8 verse 6 says, Letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to what? Death. But letting the spirit control your mind leads to? Life and peace. Do you have usually... Do you usually have your, if somebody were just to stop you and say, what are you thinking about? Do you usually have thoughts that are dominated by life and peace? If not, what does this verse tell you? If we hooked your brain up to an EEG and we could see them and know what they were like, letting, this is, this is about letting your sinful nature. That's a choice, isn't it? You can let your sinful nature control your mind. Is that true? Or you can let the spirit control your mind. Who chooses? Who's responsible? I'm responsible for that. 
If you say you're a Christian, part of this, so much of, of living the life that we're meant to live, is this Christian life is to bring our thoughts into alignment with God's word and to be empowered by his spirit. Instead of tuning into the wrong stations, we change channel. The Bible says, as I said, we read it before, 2 Corinthians, take every thought captive. How do you do that? Well, one thing you do, you notice it. You focus on it. And then you ask, what's the source of this thought? Because we can have a thought presented to us and we can choose whether or not we make it our thought or not. You could think, oh, that's an interesting thought. It's not my thought. See, it's probably not an original thought. If it's one that says, "Mm, you're not loved, or a thought that makes you want to worry or be in fear, that isn't necessarily your thought. It's not an original thought. People have been thinking those kind of thoughts since brains were made. You get a choice as to whether you let it go in and go into your heart. See, that could be a thought that comes from me, or it could be one from the Bible, because the Bible says I've got the mind of Christ, or I could be being tempted to be controlled by the dominion of darkness. I get to filter that and to look. We see this really clearly in Matthew 16. Jesus asked, who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, bingo. That's not actually there in the Greek. (laughs) Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. That's the source of that thought. Skip down two verses. Jesus is starting to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things. He must be killed, and on the third day he'll be raised to life. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said. This shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me. Satan, you are a stumbling block to me because you do not have in mind, in mind, the thoughts of, but merely human concerns. It happens so quickly. That's how quickly a thought can change. In a moment, Jesus, one moment, commends Peter for this divine revelation. In the next paragraph, he's not actually rebuking Peter, he's rebuking Satan for bringing that thought and Peter actually for allowing it to be voiced by him to be spoken to come into agreement because that's how you end up coming into agreement with a thought when you speak it out it wasn't simple for Peter to hear that thought to sit there and listen to Jesus talking about how he was going to go across and not be thinking well that can't be right it only became simple when he agreed with it and spoke it out the enemy wants to fill your mind with stumbling blocks too that will delay your destiny, that will stop you being able to do the things that God's got for you. So number three, choose to agree with the Spirit and God's Word. 1 Corinthians 2.15 talks about this. The person with the Spirit, who's a person with the Spirit here? Anybody? Good, a few. It's nice. The person with the Spirit makes judgments about all things. Such a person is not subject to merely human judgments. In other words, you've got options. You don't have to think like everybody else anymore. Because you're not like anybody else anymore because you're a new creation. How good is that? You don't have to get trapped in things that used to trap you. You don't have to. You can do. You don't have to. You can be free. Or you can leave the gate open and the door open and you can let all kinds of stuff come in and then wonder why everything's a mess. But we have the mind of we have the mind of Christ. We don't have to think like everybody else. Once you've noticed the thought, once you've identified it, any tape that's playing in your mind, you can actually decide, mm, I don't think that's God. I don't think that's the Holy Spirit. I don't think that's in line with the truth. So I can eject that, put a new one in. And that's how you win. You, this is how, we've talked about in Romans so often this, in this passage, in this series, you can reign in life through the man Christ Jesus. That's what we're meant to do. That's what we're destined to do. That's why our inheritance is. Instead of, instead of just living this defeated life, as you combat those messages, as you, as you recognise those lies and reject them, you can deal with them. See, you can't, you can't always deal with the outer critics. Is it acceptable to kill the outer critics? 
Not really. <laughs> Not in church. Yeah? Is it okay to kill the inner critics? Yes. Be merciless on those things because they're not your friends they have never been your friends and they will never be your friends they will always stop you and be an obstacle to you if you keep on letting them or you can choose can you choose? it seems you can choose it's up to you I can't do it for you it's a growing up thing more than anything else this is part of this stuff that's talked about called maturing in Christ Maturing, not just being a baby, tossed around by every wind of doctrine. So, it can start tonight. We're going to pray. Please stand if you're able. Because I want us to do an exercise before we're done. And we're going to start off, first of all, by a prayer, which we're going to pray. Just a prayer to clear this kind of battle in your mind, your thought life, because the most valuable real estate to God is, the, is between the space between your ears. And your heart as well. And Jesus paid the price of his own body to purchase you and to win you so that you could belong forever to the Father. And it could be helpful as the Holy Spirit comes to mind now. As I've been, as I've been speaking, it could have been that you've been identifying thoughts and messages, thinking, attitudes, negative lies that you hear and actually they're not the voice of your heavenly father they're not what Jesus would say and so you don't have to accept them and the way that we deal with this is we heard before we do not wage war as the world does the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world but we can demolish strongholds and we can take captive every thought for Christ so I want you to just put your hand on your heart this is the place where the change comes first and this is the internal change that changes everything that matters most and just talk to the Father your Heavenly Father who loves you has always loved you and never stopped loving you Father I ask you bring to mind and by your Holy Spirit reveal to me patterns of thinking words that I've agreed with words I've even spoken out which are lies words that others have spoken over me that I've taken in that are not your truth thoughts that they are not sourced from heaven they are merely human thoughts and I I, I repent of these thoughts and the way that I do that is I change them I ask you to come and and change my mind that I would be renewed in my mind that I would be transformed in my mind so I reject and renounce say that every lie in Jesus name I tear down every stronghold in my mind I cancel every strategy and every assignment of the enemy related to those messages and thoughts. In Jesus' name, my Lord and my God, I choose instead to believe what you say and to say what you say about me. I choose to align my thinking with you. With your word and your spirit. And all your promises to me. I receive your peace. Come in now into the, the house of my life. Into every room. give him access to every room past, present and future Holy Spirit come mm. just keep your eyes closed Just I want to picture your life 
like that, kind of like a, a three-story house. It's the picture I've just got. So there's the cellars downstairs, which is the past. Just, just like open the door. Go to the door of the cellar and say, Jesus, you're welcome to go down there. And he's, he's going down there. Just imagine Jesus goes down into the cellar of the past and, and there's boxes everywhere. And there's some really good stuff. There's so many wonderful blessings and memories and treasures and, and that's great. But then tucked away in the corners and in the dark. There's stuff you don't want anybody to see. There's boxes of words, there's pictures in there. Things you've done and things that have been done. And just imagine Jesus is looking at you and he's like, is it okay if I go over there? You've got to invite him. Give him permission to go. And as he goes, he's just he's just taking out those old boxes right now. He's just taking them up. As soon as he touches them, they go. He doesn't have to take them up the stairs and do anything with them. He just touches them. And everywhere he goes, he brings healing. Every, every box that he touches, you, you don't... You don't even have to know what's in them all. He know he's not even looking through them, but he knows anyway and he loves you. It's things that have been done to you, things that you've done. Things that maybe should have been done and regrets and he touches them and and he's at the same time as he's doing that, just asking to to bring more of his his fruit of his love and joy and peace, boxes of fruit of the spirit coming in filling the house fill the house Lord fill the cellar fill the cellar of my past where there's boxes labelled regret may they go now in Jesus name where there's boxes labelled guilt may they go in Jesus name where there's boxes labelled abuse may they be gone in Jesus name where there's boxes labelled anger may they go in Jesus name hateful words Go in Jesus' name. And at the same time, here comes love, peace, gentleness is being coming. Fruit of the Holy Spirit, filling that whole place up. There's no more room in the cellar. Every time you go into the cellar from now on, you're going to keep banging against boxes. And when you look at them, it says love and joy and peace, because this is how your past is now in Jesus covered by his love and grace oh hang on there's another box coming it's called grace just more room for cramming in filling every space in the past now just come into the the present all the house all the house on the ground floor as you look around maybe there's worries fears stresses Things you could really spend a lot of time burying your head in, getting very anxious about. And some of those have got people's faces on. Maybe there's boxes of photographs and people that you're worried about, situations outside of your control. Just focusing on that. Say, Jesus, now I just ask you, please, would you go to those boxes, go to those places? And, he, and just picture him in, his, in your mind if you're able to do that just go in and again he's he's bringing help he's filling those boxes with hope with answers to prayer with joy there's a big box with a no written on it he's just putting a yes in that box because all the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus mm. Is there a worry you've got right now? Just write it on the box. Just write the name of it on the box. And Jesus is coming and taking that box. 
Just fill that whole ground floor by your Holy Spirit now, Lord. Fill it every room, top to bottom. Just imagine you, you can't even move in that, so now you've got to go upstairs, and that's the future. And maybe it's a fearful place for you. It's been a place you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know what on earth the future holds. And there's so many things. And, and it's full of newspapers because the newspapers are full of fear. And the radio is full of fear. And so many situations that come and that would worry you. And the calendar's just got full of question marks. Please come, Holy Spirit. Jesus, please come into that. The whole of the top of this house in the loft space, everywhere. And, and again, we, we look forward. We always have something to look forward to in you. So just see him coming and filling the place with his glory. Just, I just see in my mind's eye, just, I see like golden trumpets. I see treasures. I see, I see, I just see overflowing treasure boxes. All the abundance of heaven coming and filling every part of that future. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to give you hope and a bright future. So this is bright. See it bright. The future is bright with Jesus. It's full of hope. And now, go at the front door. Imagine somebody's coming with a package for you. And it's called fear. Or it's called don't forgive that person or it's called hate yourself or it's called you're not enough or it's called you're not loved and they say uh, is this your name and would you mind signing for this package what do you say to that person does it belong to you no. Return to sender. Amen. Amen. Let's worship Jesus. Thanks for listening. For more podcasts, go to ivychurch.org forward slash media.